Hey friends, it's Sarah and Zach here with a special announcement. A live show happening soon? That's right, folks. You heard it here first. Come on out June 19th. We're doing a free live show at Empirical Brewing in Ravenswood. It's a special Father's Day themed episode with your favorite guest host, Dylan Danger Daniels. Check out the link in the description of this episode to RSVP and Secure Spot, as well as 15% off your bar tab. And most importantly, free your dad. All right, enough of the hoopla. Let's get into the episode. Hello, friends, and welcome to season two of Albemarle Brews. Uh, we have been on hiatus for a little bit, planning a bunch of cool, cool stuff for you, and we are so excited to be back. Um, but before we jump into the episode, Zach and I wanted to hop on real quick and just let you know how season two is going to differ a little bit from the first year of Albemarle Brews. We also want to say real quick, thank you so much to everyone who has listened to the podcast and made our first year so memorable and exciting and incredible. We're so excited to keep going and keep this show running and fun. Yeah, exactly what Sarah said. She said it best. Um, We're super excited. We got some changes coming season two. Uh, Some expected, some not so expected. So our friend Logan, our good, good friend Logan, is going to step away from the pod for a little bit. Um, We're going to miss him. He's been great this past year. Uh, But this also leaves us with an open spot to have some fun guests on. Uh, So you're going to hear, I'm not going to spoil it. You're going to find out what guests we have this episode. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening. Let's get into it. Drinking this album, listen to the booze. I think it would pair well, if only for you, cause it's album and booze. Hey, hey guys, I'm alone in the Album or Brews offices right now, and it, I, I can't tell if anyone's here. Let me just, let me just flip on the, oh my God, I just flipped on the lights, guys. There are two other people in here. Zach, is that, Yeah. is that you? Yeah, I've just been in the corner. You've been here this whole time? The whole time. We don't even have like snacks or anything. We, where have you been, we, where this have you been going o- to the bathroom? This office is just a garage. What, why would we have snacks? Okay, but I think I saw a third person here. Well, oh my God. How about we just introduce ourselves real quick and then we can, we can get into season two. I think we're, I think we're ready to get back on the horse. Uh, Can we turn the lights back off? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Let's record this in the dark. Okay. Here we go. I'm not crazy because I take the right meds every day. My name is Sarah. (laughs) Fuck. How does the song go? Stuck in the middle with you. (laughs) Sarah to the left of me, our new co-host guest to the right. His name's Cameron. I introduced him with my bit, too. <laughs> <laughs> Stuck in the middle of a bruise. <laughs> you can introduce yourself real now. You never said your name. Oh, I'm Zach. <laughs> Is it my turn? Yeah, you can come out of the. You can come on out from under that cubicle now. Hey, I've been hiding under this cubicle that was also apparently in a garage. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes, and I'm the Jimmy that ate the world. My name's Cameron. Oh. <laughs> and today, kicking off season two of Album Reviews. You. We are very excited to be back. We're yeah, very, it's we're, been so long. We're going to be guys, a little bit rusty. How you guys disclaimer, doing? But what's what's new in in our listeners' life? Let's give them an interest. Yeah. On. Okay. What have you missed on Glee? Is Glee still running? <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> no, hell no, dude. <laughs> I don't know, man. More of the same for me. Still working. Still navigating a, a COVID laden world. I hope that if you are listening to this, you are either already vaccinated or planning on getting vaccinated because it's smart. How about you? Not too bad. Hanging in there. Yeah. I got I got a new place. I finished the move. Yes, you did. Yeah. That's about it. How about you, Cameron? What have you been up to since the last time you were on our podcast? Yeah. Which was, for our listeners at home, the tennis episode, our like chaotic Valentine's Day special. That episode was entirely a blur to me. (laughs) (laughs) If that was canonical, then so be it. But like, I can't stand by anything that I may or may not have said during that episode because it was just sort of, you know. You just taught us how to play tennis. It was pretty pretty wholesome. Oh, yeah. I did the grunts. (laughs) That was a good episode. People should go back and listen to that. Yeah. Absolutely. But I've just been chilling, you know, unemployed until like 
literally a week ago. Yeah, when we hired you for the podcast. Yeah, when you hired <laughs> when you hired me to hang out in this garage slash cubicle, um, so that I could edit out all the times that Zach goes. <laughs> no, that's gold. That's the audio. That's the good stuff. I'm glad I remembered the um, the code for the security system, so I could get in here today, so we could record this episode. Yeah, four twenty sixty nine. How could you forget? Uh, Cameron, <laughs> don't do you, give it away. Do you, no, yeah, I have to change gonna, it. No, the, Hello and welcome to Today in Music Views. We're going to talk about the awful thing that is happening in this very moment called Lollapalooza. Uh, how do you guys feel about Lollapalooza? Like shit. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, and I'm sure that I'm going to... Um, be extremely on one end of the spectrum of feelings about Lollapalooza, right? Um, and I also understand that they allegedly are taking like vaccine precautions and checking for negative tests. Yeah, the FBI's there to check on fake vaccines. Lori Lightfoot is actually up in like a sniper tower. What <laughs> oh, shit, sniping the fake but in- <laughs> And she just has like a super high-powered telescope, so she's individually scanning every single vaccination card that stupid fucking kids from Naperville are like quickly flashing so they can get in. That they printed on their inkjet printers at home. Can and it's someone, really just an index card from their calculus class. Can someone out there please create Lori Lightfoot cyberpunk fan fiction? <laughs> <laughs> she, she's got like the green sensor over her eyes and half her brain is a robot. <laughs> where's, the, where's the Lori Lightfoot Robocop? <laughs> Lori so well. Lightfoot is a Robocop. <laughs> <laughs> She'll literally kill you if you're unvaccinated. <laughs> <laughs> Lori Lightfoot is lesbian Terminator. Um, if cases get over two hundred per day, I'll be back. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty much how I feel about Lollapalooza. Yeah. It looks like uh, like the biggest pack of sardines I ever did see. Um, and although I enjoy live music, enjoy big outdoor concerts it's it's not for me at least not this year how about you guys i haven't gone in college i used to like go sit by one of the fences where you could like still see the stage and like for free and there's no crowd so i'm like why doesn't everyone do this uh but yeah i don't think it should be happening this year for sure for sure yeah like they, sh- they should have canceled that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. well i mean i guess since none of us went um we don't know much about what's going on, right? I was gonna watch some of the live streams on Hulu, but I thought it might just make me feel bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All the coverage I'm seeing of it has has made my heart fall into my butt. So So in honor of Lollapalooza this weekend, which, you know, I'm glad everybody's having a good time, I guess. Seems I'm I'm gonna be honest, it seems pretty lit. Like the people that are there, they seem, seem like, like they're a having good time. Although, you know, a, a lot of the like social media posts I see, they all posted like last day of Lala and they all look beat. Oh no. (laughs) They're all sunburnt and like their left shoe is missing. (laughs) (laughs) They all like tried to put on fits, but they clearly got three hours of sleep last night. They're on the last outfit in their suitcase and it's like their pajama shorts and an old sports bra. (laughs) (laughs) And they tried to glam it up by just putting on some Walgreens sunglasses. (laughs) There's one kid who's actually dead, and his friends have just dressed him up. He's ready to party. They're like, we can't, can't tell. We can't tell anybody because Foo Fighters are playing today. We got a weekend at Bernie's at Lala. This is what he would have wanted. Prop your dude. If I die, if I die at a festival, I want you guys to do that to me. You want me to take you through? Well, then you have. He had to see King Gizzard. So in honor of Lollapalooza weekend, I came up with a bit that is not at all like Zach's bit, uh, and it's called Lala or Nala. Oh, that's way better than what I named mine. So basically, it's the gist of the game is I'm going to give you two names, and you have to tell me which one is real and which one I made up. Are they like fake names or just names that haven't played Lollapalooza? Oh, they're fake names. 
So one, one is a real tiny print name and one is a fake name. Yes. Yeah. Okay. In some cases, not always tiny print. There were some big. Oh. There were some big letters up there that I did not recognize when uh, they formed and words. That were just really goofy. Yeah. I'm gonna be pretty good at this game because I prepared the exact same bit and looked at the <laughs> <laughs> looked at the lineup pretty intensively. I think we should play your game too and see which one's funnier. <laughs> Are Zach and I are on a team, or are we playing against each other? I think that you're both going to register guesses, and whoever has more correct guesses at the end wins. So are you ready to play Lala or Nala? I've never been more ready. Zach? Yes. Lala or Nala? Choice one, Suicide Boys, where the first and last S's are dollar signs. Choice number two, Gucci Flippa where Gucci is actually spelled G-O-O-C-H-I. I'm pretty sure it's Gucci Flippa is the Lala. I think that it is Suicide Boys. Correct answer is Suicide Boys. Oh, dollar sign S. I didn't want to say it, but I know that that's a real band. (laughs) Really? I did not, but they were like direct support on the bill. Like they were not the smallest print. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure they're like like a rapper hip hop group. So you're telling me Gucci Flippa is a, a name out there that doesn't exist yet? I made it up. Okay, I'm gonna write that down. Maybe in the trademark section. You heard it here TM, first. TM TM TM. <laughs> All right, round two. So far, Sarah has one point. Who played Lala? Peach Tree Rascals or Lemon Stealing Whores? <laughs> oh man, <laughs> it's gotta be Peach Tree Rascals. Because Lemon Stealing Whores is, well, that's from like that video, right? Because it's a cast of three and there's a Lemon Stealing Whore who keeps stealing the lemons <laughs> off the lemon tree and they're trying to like you've catch see, her in You've the seen act. it, right? I've seen the video. It's in theory the preamble to a pornographic movie. Oh. I didn't know that. The titular lemon stealing whore is wearing a leotard and she's picking lemons off of a tree yeah. and stuffing them into her leotard. Hey, hey well, Jamie, if you can don't we pull have it pockets. up? Jamie, can we pull up that porno? <laughs> <laughs> well, shit. Okay. What was the name of the first one? Peachtree Rascals? Yes. I, I think it's got to be that. You think that's the real band? I think. Oh, I don't think. If someone named their band Lemon Stealing Whores, that would be very funny. <laughs> but I also can't see you coming up with the name Peachtree Rascals. Peachtree Rascals is the real band. Cool. Okay, yeah. Sarah's got two. Zach has one. Heading in around three of Lala or Nala. Tell me who played Lala Palooza this weekend? Girl Gun. Girl spelled G U R L. Or. That's a good band name. Child. Child spelled with three I's. Oh, I'm, I hope it's Girl Gun because that's such a good band name. <laughs> I feel like I've heard the name Girl Gun. It sounds familiar to me. I'm going to go with that. You're both wrong. Oh. <gasps> it's Child. <laughs> okay, well, shit. Still two to one heading into round four of Lala or Nala. This one you should both get. Who played Lala? Oh, a couple of these last ones. They're two real names, but you have to get it right. God Who damn played it. Lala? Huh. Boston or Austin? Spelled like Boston without the B. It's Austin. Austin, like the Columbia College Chicago student? Yeah. I know her. I had a yeah. class with her. She Emily played was Lala? telling me about it, yeah. <gasps> Work! Go Austin! Yeah, she, yeah. she did. Oh my God, Shout I know her. Austin. Hey, Austin. I think she headlined the Metro, like in a Lala like pre-show kind of deal. Hell yeah. Good for, Good her. for her. So she thinks she can go to Columbia College, Chicago, and then go off to LA and get all famous and cool, and then come back here. That's the dream, though, isn't While it? While people like us have been here in obscurity for the rest of our lives. <laughs> and that's we're where we're going to stay. We have a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Season two, baby. We're trying to keep our indie cred. And like right. Cameron said, it's not. we don't have to worry about it going anywhere. <laughs> if you hate this podcast, you can leave. If you think we're obscure... You don't have to be on the airwaves. If you hate this podcast, please go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. It really helps the show. Leave us a one-star. Engagement is engagement. (laughs) (laughs) All press is is all press. All right, let's keep the party moving. Lala or Nala round five. Are you ready? I've never been more ready. We got on deck. Choice number one, Big Clapper. Choice number two, Chompa with two Ps. Big Chompa or what? Chompa with two P's. I think it's Chompa. Just to be controversial, I'm going to say Big Chompa. 
It's Big Clappa, by the Clappa. way. Clappa. I'm going to say that. Zach is correct. It's ah. Chompa. So are we tied? You're three all three? tied up. Yeah. Neck and uh, neck. neck. And neck. <laughs> the final round of Lala or Nala. Tell me which band played Lollapalooza. Was it Shy Carter or Mad Dasher? It's Shy Carter. Uh, you seemed confident. You know what? I'm going to say Mad Dasher, just in case. Zach wins. Yeah. <laughs> Eat it, Sarah. No. You knew that he looked at the lineup and you still disagree. <laughs> yeah, because I, sh- I thought Shy Carter was such a good rapper. <laughs> or whatever he is. I don't know what type of artist he is. But I imagine he's just like standing really awkwardly still, like spitting bars all crazy. He's like spitting out that shit that I'm getting freaking. But he's like <laughs> completely still the whole time. So how about Johnson? <laughs> yeah, but more shy. <laughs> He like has an F in his public speaking class, yeah. and somehow he books well. <laughs> somehow he's at law. Well, Cameron, thank you for yeah, bringing such a fun yeah. and informative game to yeah. the table. Uh, of course, should we? I, I like your gamer voice or your your game host voice. I, I like say. it too. Yeah. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I like it a lot. Um, I have to pee real quick, but then should we get into the album? Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Is this our first toilet flush of season two? Yeah. Ah, hit it. And we're back. Oh. Clean take. And we're back, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Why are we talking about Lollapalooza at all? Well, we're also going to be talking about an album from one of the bands. Oh, that's Who played true. at Lollapalooza this very weekend. Oh, my God. Full circle. Full circle. Bring around. Because the album we're talking about is Jimmy Eat World's Bleed American. And this was your pick, Cam. This was my pick, along with our beer of choice, which I chose to be Miller High Life, the champagne of beers. Can you tell us a little bit about why you picked the pairing? Uh, I would love to, because I found this great website called Beerscribe.com. What is this? Well, the logo is in Comic Sans. Oh, perfect. I love it already. Which should tell you most of what you need to know. And the fact that the title of the website is the URL. You're like, okay, these guys, these guys are legit. Our album, Bleed American, was released in 2001. Yikes. And so in trying to get in my headspace for what I wanted to pair with this album, because I was kind of lost, I thought to myself, well, what would I be drinking if I went to see Jimmy Eat World live in just like some club? So I found Beerscribe.com, and it turns out the most popular beer in America was Bud Light. Oh. But I didn't want to drink Bud Light. (laughs) (laughs) So the second most popular beer was Miller High Life. In 2001 specifically? In the year 2001. Wow. I am a little disappointed. I just thought of it just now that we didn't create a bloody American Mary. Oh. With, like with like a corn dog in it, bloody American. <laughs> oh, damn it! Oh my god, what a missed opportunity! Could have put all the gross American food in it, and it bloody was still American. would have been good. We have to cut that out. We can't let them know that we had a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> the joke I was going to make was, I'm glad we're drinking Miller High Life because just like our podcast, we're shooting for second best. Yeah, just like our podcast. Yeah, in my life goals. Yeah. We're shooting for a 4% increase in volume over the previous year, just like Miller High Life in 2001. Huh. Fun fact. Yeah. Cam? Yeah, this, this feels like a very uh, Jimmy World beer. I would Absolutely. think so. Yeah. Like, you know, they're, they're just like, the main support is still playing on stage, and you're like, I'm going to go get another beer. And you're like, you go and pee in like the, the trough with like eight other dudes standing right next to you, and then you you half-heartedly wash your hands, if yeah. at all, and then you come back out to the bar, you flag down the single bartender who's losing her goddamn mind oh, trying no. to help 40 <laughs> drunk dudes at once. And you say, can I get a Bud? Can I get a Bud Light? She says, we're all out! <laughs> uh, what else you got? You're Miller High Life. Oh, okay. <laughs> and Jimmy World is kind of the champagne of 2000s alternative rock. Oh. That's good. Yeah. That is good. That's way better than anything I said. I'm cutting all that out too. No. Um, let's get into a little bit of why our beautiful guest host uh, picked this album. First of all, thank you for calling me beautiful. Yeah. I had to let them know it because they can't see you. For those of us listening along at home, Cameron's also, in addition to being a, a talented audio engineer and wonderful personality, 
Um, he's also my boyfriend. He's also just very attractive. Yeah. yeah. Oh, don't I know it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Cameron, um, we would love to hear a little bit more about why you – because this is kind of a left field pick for you especially. This was not at all like an album that I would have thought to pick when it came to my attention that Jimmy Eat World was playing Lollapalooza, I was like, I know that I like the song Bleed American, and I know that I like the song The Middle. Turns out they're on the same album. Yeah. And just on a lark, like two weeks ago, I listened to this album, I think because Trin on Friendshipping, a very good podcast, was talking about it. Trin's like a huge Jimmy Eat World fan. And so I listened to this album, and I was like, oh my God, this album's really good. And so there were plenty of other albums that were in contention to talk about. And well, I won't say them because maybe they'll be on future episodes. There you go. But first of all, it was older than I thought. It was released in 2001. Yeah. And listening all the way through, I was like, wow, if I knew this album was this good, this might have changed like the trajectory of my life if I had like listened to it all the way through in high school. Like I could be a very different person now and I would maybe have more respect for the genre of Midwest emo than I currently do. You'd be like Zach and I. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. And like I can I can hear so much this. modern influence in this album that comes from this album. And so I thought it would just be a really cool thing to reflect on. This isn't a very iconic Midwest emo album to me, is it to you? Like well, I know it is the Midwest emo. But when I think of thing. it, I don't first think of Jimmy Eat World. The thing about Jimmy Eat World is they're from Arizona, (laughs) and the album is kind of laden with like very specific like Tempe, Arizona references. Is it? I I had no idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) I wouldn't necessarily put it under the umbrella of Midwest emo, but I can see how it would be derived from. But it is kind of like a Fallout Boy band. This very like power pop. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. Listening to this made me just want to listen to Infinity on High, like on repeat. It's it's like. Like definitely early, like it precedes. I think a lot of that kind of later pop punk emo rock kind like of past two thousand five ish. Yeah, I mean at the time it was just what like alt rock or I something. Guess, did yeah. this did this come out before or after nine eleven? Before this oh. leads perfectly into my tangent. Do it, do it. <laughs> so. Like Cameron said, this album came out in July of 2001, which... Wow, so right before. Yeah, for those of us listening along at home. I mean, I know some of our listeners are a little bit younger, but um, 9-11 happened on September 11th, 2001. And I mean, none of us are going to like try and make jokes about 9-11. It's not a funny situation. However... Unfortunately, this album was called Bleed American right before a a national terrorist attack. Um, So the album ended up actually being renamed and re-released after the attacks to just be called Jimmy Eat World, as well as the intro and title track, which is also called Bleed American. They renamed it after September of 2001 to just be called Salt, Sweat, Sugar. And so while doing research about this, because I thought it was just such an interesting space to be in, like being in live music and performing arts and things like that in the wake of this national tragedy, I found a thing that is commonly referred to as the Clear Channel Memorandum. I know about that. Let me tell you about this. So after the 9-11 attacks, um, Clear Channel, which was like the biggest – Clear Channel Communications was the biggest like radio broadcast um, conglomerate in the United States. It's now known as iHeartMedia, so Mm. iHeartRadio and its subsidiaries. They own like every radio station. Literally. In America. Literally. And it seems like they did at the time too. Um, But there was this – I don't know if it was leaked or if it was widely distributed, but there was sort of this list that had been put together in the wake of 9-11. People kind of misconstrued it and thought that like these songs were banned, like a hard ban from being played on the radio, but – they ultimately like kind of debunked that and were like, no, radio is like a free local space. However, they put together this list of songs that they thought would not be a good idea to play post 9-11. And I would like to share some of those with you hmm. now. I believe this was just an internal memo that kind of got out. Got I think so. I think you're right. Wow. Um, so Jimmy Eat World, I don't think was on the list. They just chose to uh, re-release rename the album it, yeah. and rename the song. Um, but the list is kind of wild. Uh, there are such highlights as the entire discography of Rage Against the Machine. 
They just thought, no, 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 no. None of that. Too controversial. Too controversial. Huh. Too um, anti-patriotic. Wow, they just, can they, can they do that legally? Can you just blacklist a whole band? It wasn't technically like blacklisted, but it was sort Which of like. Which is why they could do it, because it was, but it wasn't technically. Yeah. Right. It was more so like, we don't think this would, we think this would be in poor taste. It was meant to sort of be like. Hey guys, maybe shy away from this, but I mean, it's that funny. That makes sense out of like, res- like I don't know, but like if you're like a local radio station and you get this memo from like your boss's boss, the owner of your company, yeah. you're probably gonna take him seriously. Yeah. How long did this list last for? Does it say? Like I um, imagine like a week after. Like yeah, probably a good idea. But like if it's like three months after, or like I don't know. It doesn't say specifically. Doesn't say it just says it followed the attacks in September two thousand one. And I wanna I wanna first share some of the very obvious picks. Yeah. <laughs> because there are some that and and I don't mean to like really laugh about it. Obviously, like it's a very serious situation, but. It's unfortunate (laughs) that songs like this were in popular circulation at the time of an event like this. Yeah. Um, So some of the more obvious picks where they were like, hey, maybe we shouldn't play this, were uh, Safe in New York City by ACDC, Burnin' for You by Blue Oyster Cult, In the Air Tonight by Phil Collins. (laughs) Why can't you play that one? Because there's airplanes in the air tonight, and they're going to hit your towers. Yeah. No, it's the love in the air. Only the Good Die Young by Billy Joel. Oh. Great Balls though. of Fire by Jerry Lee Lewis. Wow. This feels like one of those things where, like, if they didn't say anything about it, then no one would draw the connection. Yeah. Burning Down the House by the Talking Heads. <laughs> Um, and, and a lot more songs like that. But there were also, the thing that kind of um, intrigued and confused me were they also put a couple happy songs on huh. the list. They had um, both the Sam Cooke Wonderful World and the um, uh, Louis Armstrong What a Wonderful World, which are could, two vastly I, different songs. I could but see why you wouldn't want that necessarily playing on your... Yeah, yeah. They sort of made this um, argument that, like, it wouldn't be in poor taste to say that the world is wonderful right now. Yeah. But, yeah, it's it's a wild thing to look huh. at in retrospect. You want to hear one more thing about this 9-11 tangent? Yes, please. Here's some albums that were released on September 11th, 2001. Oh, my mm. God. Nickelback. Silver Side Up. Oh. With the lead single, How You Remind Me. Oh, uh, it was not a well released album. Thinking about that song made me feel really anxious and like a twelve year old, like like a twelve year old, like raging in a buckle in a mall somewhere. <laughs> in a buckle. And this is how oh, you remind no. It reminded me. me of like my my iPod or the what was the Microsoft iPod? The Zoom. Yeah. <laughs> reminded me of my Zoom. had a Zoom, and I had a bad haircut, and my jeans didn't fit. <laughs> <laughs> this is how you remind me. Another album that came out on 9-11, uh, Slayer, God Hates Us All. Oh, no. Oh, no. That's oh. not great. There's a couple more That's highlights on here. There was a Damien Marley album. There's a oh. Ben Folds album. Poor guy. Yeah. System of a Down, Toxicity. Bob Dylan had an album that came out. and the, I guess he was alive in 2001, huh? Without a doubt, the biggest album that was released on 9-11, Jay-Z's The Blueprint. Woof. Widely regarded as probably his best album and one of the great albums. Are there? Is there? I bet there's a bunch of conspiracy stuff around that, like Illuminati, like Jay Z. You know, you would go there. <laughs> we spent too much time in YouTube rabbit holes. It sounds like. Yeah. So, so 9/11 had a big impact on music, and I'm sure it had a big impact on Bleed American as well. A hundred percent. And to sort of bring it back, like they did re-release it, just titled Jimmy Eat World. But I saw that in 2008 they re-released it again as Bleed American, which is how it was introduced to me. I think that actually Bleed American and The Middle were both songs that were introduced to me by my dad because my dad was one of those guys who had like 16,000 songs in his iTunes library. He like ripped every single CD he ever owned (laughs) like on his own time on the family computer in the family computer room. And so that was how I heard like the first couple songs on this album. And it just never occurred to me that I should like listen to this rock music that my dad liked. But it turns out it slaps. I love the singles. The singles hit so good. Yeah. And but some, some of the, the other tracks, I just kind of like feel like they didn't have the same oomph. I do think there are some sleeper hits, but I think that this album like really 
freaking shines with those like single like bangers. Yeah. Very like power guitar gets stuck in your head. Very earwormy. And the title track is absolutely one of those like star players for me. Yeah. Like hearing it makes me want to go Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah. So the theory goes like that's why these singles hit so good. Yeah. It's because that's how the market was back then. They could make the singles really good and then yeah. sell the album. Not that the rest, I mean, we're going to get into it. For the record, I disagree with Zach. I think every song on this album is good. <laughs> oh. I, don't, I can't say for I sure that it's a no skipper, but I think, it, I, don't, I think it rocks. I didn't say any of the songs are bad. I just think there's a noticeable difference between the singles and okay. the deep tracks. Okay. Let me bridge the gap here. I think that there are nota- notable like hills and valleys of energy on yeah. this album. I think that a lot of the songs that are considered like the hits and the singles are very, very high, high, high energy. And then a lot of the songs that are more heartfelt or sentimental um, feel a bit low energy, but still like looking into them carry that weight all the same. Yeah. That's how an album's supposed to go. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Song number one, the title track, the titular song. Jimmy World. Just kidding. It's called Bleed America. <laughs> <laughs> Would they, did they change the title track to Jimmy World? Did they? No. Oh, no. When they, um, when when they, they changed the album name. When they released it, they renamed it Salt, oh, Sweat, that's right. Sugar. <laughs> Salt, Sweat, Sugar on the asphalt. You know. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. I had to like watch a couple of live videos to really understand what he's saying. I'm somebody who like, especially as a kid, I didn't pick up a ton on lyrics. I've always sort of viewed the human voice as more of an instrument than like a thing to enunciate words. So Mm. I never really picked up a hundred percent on lyrics and songs, but I just like, I love the energy that bleed American brings. Like what an opener to an album. A hundred percent. I was like reading a little bit about it because I listen, I know that we are a hard-hitting music journalism podcast. Yes. I know we are one of the most credible sources on the internet. Um, and like most of us, I get most of my information from two sources, Wikipedia and Genius.com. And <laughs> Which we've proved both to be a little unreliable because we can edit both of them. <laughs> we may or may not have edited both of those sites live on air. However, I was like, I was reading about um, all the tracks that we're going to talk about today and bleed american was so fucking cool i know that part of the lyrics like reflect the singer's own experience jim adkins (laughs) which is such like an accountant name mind you anyway or a gym teacher he he looks like such a regular ass Um, but I, I saw some, some stuff about how he like developed a panic disorder, how he had anxiety. So like some of the bits reflect his own experience, like taking medication to manage that. Um, but also they kind of wanted to channel like an angsty teen with this song and my, oh my, would high school Sarah have loved to just blast this shit while driving to her job at Party City. (laughs) I'm not alone cause the TV's on, yeah. Yes! (laughs) I'm not crazy cause I take the right pills every day, Sarah Bydash. Shout out to Lexapro. Thank you very much. Uh, can we play the intro? Yeah. So yeah, for, great song. First of all, great opener. What a, yeah. first, what a first 45 seconds to an album. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm hyped. And then I was really happy to hear uh, a, a very favorite band of mine taking inf- influence from this. Uh, will you play a little bit of I'm Made of Wax, Made of Wax, Larry? What are you made of? By a day to remember. Yes. Right? That is a whoa. That is a close cut. I almost wonder if they had to like give them songwriting credit on that because that is close. Yeah. Well, okay. A and little. That's ten years later. It's 2011. Go ahead, sir. 
<laughs> that made my jaw agape even more because we'll get to this. This is a bit later in the album, but I also have a similar parallel to draw. But the thing about Jimmy Eat World is they're considered like a huge contemporary of Weezer. Like oh, everyone yeah. says, at least the internet says that they're like kind of the Weezer knockoff band. Hmm. Not not in a derogatory way. They're like pop punk Weezer. Yeah. Like they shared a lot of the same fan base. Um, there's a song that we might talk about later where it was a tribute to two people who were huge in the like Weezer fan base who tragically passed away and they wrote a tribute song for them. So there's that affiliation there, right? But it seems like there are so many people who are like contemporaries of this contemporary or like drawing bits and pieces from something that's already referencing another form of art. Oh, and that makes my brain buzz, baby. Which is just how music works, right? Like everything is just kind of a copy of a music that happened before it. Nothing is original. Yes. Yeah. I mean, everything is a remix. Yeah. Yeah. It's a book, right? When I was like, when I, I was still so. yeah. in art school, like I remember, and I'm going to paraphrase, but I remember a professor said, like, good artists know how to steal well. <laughs> <laughs> so I think there are a lot of instances like that. And I love when your brain makes the connection between the two. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun to follow the rabbit hole. And it makes sense. There's such a huge band. This is probably like one of the bigger bands we've covered on the show. Absolutely. Because they got like what? I was kind of baffled by the Spotify listeners. Six million monthly God listeners. Damn. I was a little baffled by that. Almost as many as us. Yeah. No. Oh. <laughs> it's actually fewer. That was funny, but it made me feel bad. Oh. <laughs> Do we want to talk about track two? Was that a praise chorus? A praise chorus. Love dancing with myself. Are you going to live your I mean, I don't I don't have all that much to say about track two except that like it really keeps the energy going. Yes. You got to, you got to, you got to. Like it's so high energy, it just keeps you going. There's no time to rest. You gotta keep dancing. Yeah, an old roommate of mine used to talk about how like what's the best trifecta of songs on an album? Like so many people are like, what's the best oh, album opener? Ooh. But another powerful like thing three to talk in about. A row. Exactly. It was like the best three yeah. in a row. And I think the first three tracks of this album are whoo, hot to trot, baby. I would be hard pressed to find a better trifecta. Yeah. Yeah, that's like almost ten minutes of just solid, good, good ear canal juice going on. I, I don't know that this was a single, but like it has some single energy. It would be like a B-side single, maybe. Who knows? <laughs> Only the best fans know this one at the concert, but it's on the track list. It's on the set list. And it gets yeah, people know. dancing at the concert, I'm I'll sure. Like, Absolutely. It's so high energy. And then it leads right into track number three, the one everybody knows. Like the biggest song on this album. Probably the easily the biggest song in Jimmy Eat World's discography. Yes. I was like a quarter step flat. <laughs> I like having Cameron on. (laughs) (laughs) Hey! Don't rush yourself off yet. It's only you had your feel left in. (laughs) I looked down on. Just do your best. Just do your best. Try everything you can. Everything you can. I don't know how to do it fine. I don't know the words. I was about, I was about to say like, It oh. just takes some time. <laughs> Keith Richards, when did you get here? <laughs> no. No. I'm not funny. I was just going to say like, oh yeah, the middle, you know, everybody knows all the words. And then of course, immediately you just flub. Like I totally don't know the words. The whole second half of the first verse. I totally don't know the words. But this is the one, right? This is the one everybody knows. This everybody is the loves one. it. This is the one you, you sing this at any karaoke. You play this at any open mic. Everybody's going to get on their feet. It is an iconic song of like that era. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know how like either of your parents raised you as uh, really? right. Well, with respect to music, like I, I don't have, <laughs> I have barely any musical influence from either of my parents, except for my mom, who loved Jack Johnson and Nelly Furtado. Jack Johnson's good. Yeah, we'll talk about Jack Johnson one <laughs> Did day. Did your mom live in a Starbucks? <laughs> <laughs> she wishes. All this to say, like we really only listened to like a lot of like top forty radio until I had my own car, and boy, oh boy, did this get into that circulation. I heard the song a lot driving to church as a kid. I'm sure nice. I'm sure like the hit like alternative quote unquote 
uh, station in my hometown still plays this song all the time. A hundred percent. I mean, and it still slaps after ten, after 20 years. Mm-hmm. That was the reason I chose this album. It recently had its 20th birthday. Wow. Yes. Doesn't that make you feel old? No. When songs get to 20 years old. No, I'm young and hot, Zach. I'm not. <laughs> and I'm in the my, middle. I pa- uh, hey. Um. <laughs> What else is there to is say? Is there anything you guys song? want to say about this this real fast before I take it into my little bit that it just, is based on this song? It just takes some time, you know, little girl. Yeah, middle of the ride. She was he was talking to you because you listen to this song. Everything, ride to church. Yeah. everything will be. Oh wait, let me say I did see some sweet kind of backstory about this because yeah. it's like why are they saying little girl? Teen girls love rock music. A lot yeah. of teen girls love rock music, and a lot of those teen girls who love rock music feel like outcasts, and so. I don't I don't know if this is like <laughs> I don't know if this is part of like the Jimmy Eat World cinematic universe TM. Um, but I did see in an interview, uh, yeah, Jim, Jim Atkins was talking about how he like met this girl at a show who was like, everyone at my school is a bitch and I hate them and they make fun of me and I hate it. And he was like, Man, I think this song is for her. So mm. I thought that was sweet. I, I think it's sweet when people include like young girls and young women in pop punk because I think it's so commonly seen as like a boy space where like yeah. you don't see many people who aren't like white men in the mosh pit. Or, like, it, it feels so testosterone. Totally. Totally. Like, so it is. Until like Paramore, there was like no space for women. Right. And this predated that. So I, I think it's cool that one of their biggest hits, like, has an encouraging message for women. That it gets yeah. better. Yeah. I can't. It just <sighs> takes some time. Just takes some time. Little girl. All right. So <laughs> let's get into my bit called Malcolm or the Middle. God. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I have pulled up. Are you guys familiar with the hit TV sitcom Malcolm in the Middle? Only conceptually. I am. <laughs> Intimately familiar. Intimately. So. Oh, yes. thank God. Okay. I hope we're um, on a team. It's. I like it a lot because it's like it's like three boys, and it kind of reminds me of how I grew up. Like just complete I chaos. love Brian Cranston. Yeah, <laughs> you, I mean, you grew up with what twenty boys? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Six. Zach's like me. Zach's like the eleventh child. I'm number seven, which is a lucky number. That's why I'm still alive. Love. Yeah. So I'm gonna read to you guys a quote from. This website called 10 Funniest Quotes from MalcolmTheMiddle.com. <laughs> such a long domain. <laughs> no, that's, that's the name of the blog. The website's called something, ScreenRant.com. Okay. Uh, <laughs> 10 Funniest Quotes from Malcolm. You know what? 10 Funniest Quotes from MalcolmTheMiddle.com was taken. I had to go 10 Funniest Quotes from MalcolmTheMiddle.limo. Would we get a cease and desist if we put that on a t-shirt and sold it? <laughs> What, 10 funniest quotes from Malcolm in the middle.com? And that's it. That's just all we, it says. We should, we should buy that domain and redirect it to Apple. Oh, oh my God. Are we going to become my brother, my brother, and me and just start buying domains live on air? We need to start getting like Casper mattress ads or something. <laughs> Zach has a Casper mattress. Casper mattress. Oh, Is it good? It. It's great. Well, oh, no, man. we're not getting we paid. We don't say that for free. If you're listening and you know someone on Casper, I'll tell you how I feel about their mattress. Yeah. So I'm going to read you a quote. From this website, or a lyric from the hit song, The Middle. And, oh you, have to t- and you have to guess which one. You okay. Mean, you mean The Middle by Zed? No. Oh, no. Why don't you just meet me in the middle? Cameron, I'm losing. Cameron talked about electronic music. Just Whoa. a little. <laughs> you, you, were, you were this close to having to talk about electronic music. We, dude. If I it wasn't you. this, I was going to bring something, something Wait, wubby dubby. Is, is Zed electronic or is that Zed's dead? That's dead is the EDM band. Both. Well, yeah. one of them's like EDM though. I mean, not to be like an EDM snob about it, but like Zed's gone pretty much like pop electronic yeah, uh-huh. and like Zed's dead were more like kind of traditional dubstep and Zed also had some cool electro house stuff and oh. like elect like future he wasn't quite future based but like he he also wasn't dubstep he was just sort of like the 2014 like EDM king and then eventually he decided that he liked money more than he liked authenticity. Mm, Do you see what sad. I mean when I say that this was an unusual album pick for Cameron? <laughs> because we were like it's a sneeze away from talking about Porter Robinson or some shit. Like literally a sneeze a away. A sneeze from, away. From talking about nurture or world. How do you feel about Calm Truce? Uh, I remember him having some cool hits. Okay. 
that's that's all I want to say about that. That was sort of my my first um, introduction to like, oh, a band can have a funny like joke name like Calm Truze, <laughs> which is hilarious. Uh, there was a Lala band that was goofy like that too, wasn't there? No, all the Lala bands had really cool regular names. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, like but, Child. No, there was one that was like, who's who's the Zodiac killer? Ted Bundy. Who, no, wait. The, the, no. <laughs> <laughs> the Ted Danson. <laughs> who, who's the senator that's actually the Ted Cruz? Okay, so it was, it was, it was called it was called Ted Cruz. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they were at Lala or another I'm, festival I'm lineup I just I'm, saw. I'm playing a uh, I'm playing a Lala after show. Come check us out. We're called Bosif Jiden. <laughs> It sounds like a disease. <laughs> hey, uh, come check out my band. <laughs> We're called Defrey Jammer. <laughs> Malcolm or the Middle. A Cannibal Utopia. That, That's going to be Malcolm in the Middle. Yeah, it's Malcolm in the Middle. <laughs> I, know, um, I, I think I know all the words to the song, so uh, like, I feel like I can get this. All right, here's the next one. Hey. Don't write yourself off. Oh, yet. very okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> That's part of the game. <laughs> Dude, we're killing it. <laughs> Is Malcolm a robot? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's um I think that's the middle. I think that's Malcolm in the middle. Is Malcolm a robot? Oh, uh, let's try this one. So live right now. That's the middle that's by Jimmy middle. Eat World. Yeah. You guys are pretty good at this game. You must really know Malcolm in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what why this quote is on here. What does the T in the wall stand for? That's not an iconic quote. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like when I'm trying to like really stump you guys with lyrics and I'm just looking for the most random shit. I think that's Malcolm in the middle. It's Malcolm in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't matter if it's good enough. That's gonna be the middle. I think yeah. you're right. Yeah, you guys are pretty good at this game. That's the end of my bit. Let's do the ones that I checked out. <laughs> Yay! I think we I don't won. think we've ever applauded a bit before. <laughs> you guys uh, like I just, that I one? just tried to bring like a little golf clap in, you know. Pee break. Pee break. If you lose Saturday, whoa! That bass player plays like um, a ninth. And it's really cool. Anyway. I know what he means by that. <laughs> we just talked about the middle. Your House is the next song. That's a pretty good song. But I want to talk about Sweetness, track number five. Yeah. Sing it back. Whoa. Whoa. I was spinning free. Whoa! We're gonna get a copyright strike. <laughs> it's fair use. It's fair use. It's commentary. Anyway, <laughs> this song is great. This might be currently my favorite song on the album. Yes, mine too. I, think. I love sweetness. I think it's that so it good. has. I think it starts out great. I think it's got a an awesome chorus. I think the drummer does like this. 16th note snare hit to go into the chorus. I was spinning free. And it's just so good feeling. The thing I like about this song, again, when I was doing my research on genius.com, um, was that not only is it a breakup song, which we love a breakup yeah. song, especially a well-written breakup song, but it's one of those breakup songs where the person has healed already. Oh, it's a song about nice. like a healing it process. Nice. We're like, it's not really, it's not really a Taylor Swift breakup song. No, 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 yeah, no. It's not like, it's like a you did me your, wrong in your closet. No, we've like, we've packed it up. We put it in a nice little box and now we're ready to go in front of a crowd and go, whoa. Which is like no, no, the no. best part of the breakup, right? When you're finally like at the sweetness moment. The catharsis. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, so good. I mean, it's, uh, the, I think the song is so powerful. I think I forget which other album 
we talked about this with, it might've been like Dr. Dog. Oh, I think it was Dr. Dog's listening in Mm. where I thought it was really powerful to begin something with like a lyric or whatever about like listening. Like, Mm. I think it's so dope to start a song out with, are you listening? Or if you're listening, I think is the lyric. It's kind of like a call to what you're doing at the moment. Right? Wouldn't you be hype as hell seeing this live? Yes. So good. Yeah. So good. Yeah, as he's like of, saying it to you almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not to brag, but I went to art school. I feel it important to note that uh, I've been writing songs for several years and I've taken songwriting classes and I've done audio stuff. So those are my qualifications in talking about this music. But specifically, one thing that I learned quite a bit about and took note of in my songwriting classes was like the first few words in your lyrics are important to catch attention. And so like, if you're listening, what a great way to like pull somebody right? in, especially with that tone and with like the harmony and the, the, like the intensity of the voice, this song, this song has everything. <laughs> <laughs> it's got New York's drums. hottest club it's is got a minor nine. By Jimmy got- e. World. <laughs> it has vocal delayed harmonies. It has a great harmonic sensibility and a midget that screams your name while he humps your dog. <laughs> Can we play it? I New York's hottest it. club is <laughs> if you're listening. Whoa! So I um I did some music video research for this album, oh. and this song has a particularly wacky music video. I would love to view it with you guys if you'd be okay with that. If you think that it suits the medium. Yeah, it it absolutely does not suit our current medium, but I think that it would still be fun to do. The three songs that I found from this album that had music videos were The Middle and Bleed American and this song. And like, I think that they used all of their budget for the other two music videos. (laughs) So this one seems like they paid some dude who was just learning about, well, I'll let you watch it. Okay. Let's do it. Yeah, look at the face. Why? Sir, will you like synopsize real fast what we just watched? Yeah, synopsize it, please. Absolutely. Give a synopsis. So, can you synopsize something? Yeah, that totally. That's well, like I'm when you that's like it. when you dip a baby into holy syrup. Baptize. <laughs> <laughs> this seems like probably one of the easiest music video shoots on the part of Jimmy Eat World to do ever because kind of the entire video they are just you know as what are they a four piece just playing the song um in front of a camera but it seems to cover the whole arc of a sort of diy emo band so we start in this house and for whatever reason there's cgi bugs and like a grandpa (laughs) in the basement And then we go on and they're playing smaller gigs because at least they're booking something, but the audience isn't quite impressed. No, they don't like it. And they're driving there in their shitty little van, their shitty, shitty little van. But then we get to the big time. We get to a big stage with a CGI audience from Vecteezy.com. <laughs> <laughs> and they're playing the shit out of it and everyone's loving them so much so that they get to go into the booth even though they're still in the same clothes, hair, and like positioning that they have been. And the drummers been. on the couch are like a bed the whole time. <laughs> yeah, the whole time during this video. They get to record ostensibly their breakout album, Bleed American. And then, because they're humble and go back to their roots, the video concludes with them in the same old basement they were in before with the same old grandpa on the couch watching them. I bet that was a satisfying music video to make as the band. To be like, hey, we just had our hit album. Yeah. I I mean, mean, all they had to do was just go into like a room with a green screen and play through it twice. Yeah. Although I will say, Sarah, that's not not the – path of a DIY emo band. That's just called being in a band. Well, I have to rehearse in somebody's apartment that has (laughs) bugs in it. No, And then you have to go and play gigs at a club where everybody is seated for some reason. Yeah. (laughs) Downstairs, sub T. I want to also say um, the music video for The Middle has, it's all shot on location. The band is playing in a living room of a house party that is like an underwear party. So everyone is hot. Awooga! It's all hot, skinny, white people in like, I think there's 
product placement. There, some of them are in Calvin Klein's, huh. and everybody is in their underwear, and they're all like up on each other. And the band is like playing in the living room, and the music video follows a guy and a girl who like show up fully clothed, and like everybody looks at them weird because they're fully clothed. And then at the end of the music video, they both like try to undress and then they see each other and they get dressed together and they leave the party together. Wow. So like, so like there's that one and the other music video also has like a good production budget. And so it just feels like this one is like, all right, we just gotta, we don't have any money left. We're just going to shoot this like for a day in a green screen studio. And then we're going to have some animation guys. Any money left. We don't have any money for them to buy like assets. So they're just going to go and get like free, like a bug crawling. I feel like that animation was pretty brand new at the time. It was probably equally as expensive. Oh, it was probably state of the art. Some of that that stuff was still pretty cool. Like, like the, the walls peeling off of the apartment and Mm -hmm. them being outside. Like some of that was pretty cool, but regardless, (laughs) it might be the best song on the album. Oh, totally. I was going to argue that the next cluster of three might be better than the first cluster of three. Uh, Sweetness, here you me. If you don't, don't. Ooh, that's a pretty good. I I don't think it's better, but I think it's really good. It's really good. I think I might have to take back what I started with saying how some of the album, some of the songs weren't bangers. I think they're all bangers now. Sweetness (laughs) is a banger. Uh huh. And then here you me is a sad song about death. But it's so good. It's a really pretty. It's a beautiful. And then what was the third one? If you don't, don't. What is that one about? I just remember it being good. I just remember that it get, was, like if Because Here You Me is really slow, and then If You Don't, 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 don't brings it back up. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I think that the sequencing on this album is really good, and, yeah. like, the the sort of peaks and valleys of the energy, like, I think it flows really well and, like, kind of keeps you engaged. Yeah. Yes. Here yeah, You yeah. Me is one that, like, I think this is a no-skip album, but I would eventually start skipping Here You Me because it's, like, too emotionally heavy for what I'm trying to get into with the rest <laughs> of the album. For me, that was one of the songs I remember hearing a lot for some reason. And I was like, oh, that song is sad and about death. Well, <laughs> yeah, like, what else no, would the angels be doing? <laughs> it's literally a tribute song. Yeah. Um, I mentioned this earlier, but it's it's about this pair of sisters. Let me look up their names. Really oh, quick. really? Oh. Yeah. Yeah. There's a whole piece of lore about it. So there was this pair of sisters named Michael, spelled M-Y-K-E-L, and Carly, spelled C-A-R-L-I, Allen, who were like cornerstones of the fan base of Weezer and were early, early, early supporters of Jimmy Eat World, Mm. going so far as like before they were signed to labels, before they were touring, same with Weezer, like being there from the get-go, offering their house as a place for them to stay, Um, when they were on the road, even before they were noteworthy. Um, And then eventually, like, as Weezer and as Jimmy Wee World, more so with Weezer, like, got signed, got notoriety. Like, they became huge, huge, huge cornerstones specifically for the Weezer fan base um, and just were kind of, like, pillars of that. And they had this online forum where the phrase, hear you me, was something that they just frequently used. Tragically... In, I believe it was 1997, the the two sisters, along with their youngest sister, got in a fatal car crash. And the whole scene, like that whole community, mourned that loss. Wow. Um, and this album came out a little bit later, but Weezer wrote a tribute song for them. There was actually a whole compilation album that a bunch of kind of pop punk emo bands got on called Hear You Me. Um, that was meant to raise money for the Allen family, supporting the loss of their three daughters. Wow. Which is uh, tragic, but... I have no nice. idea. I like the song yeah. a lot better now, even though it's like even sadder. Well, yeah, so Jesus. this song, I mean, it literally says, like, gave me a home when there was no place. Like, it, it when you know the story, it's it's pretty literal. But what a fantastic, like, gesture yeah, to yeah. those fans. And I, I, I did like, check. Jimmy Eat World started in 1993, 94. Yeah. So. I've, I've heard it said that, like, if you're a band, it's better to have – super diehard fans than to have a lot of like Fairweather fans. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it seems like the Allen sisters were like those from the get-go diehard, like would do anything for you just because they were so supportive and so excited. So yeah, this is a tribute to those, those two sisters. And it's a pretty good song. Yeah. Yeah. Which is good because sometimes these like, like, Sometimes 
you risk getting a little sappy with it. Totally. But I don't, they I don't, didn't go I think they toe no. that line. I yeah. think they do a pretty good job. I think there's a solid amount of, I kind of want to say ambiguity, where there are clearly references to those two specifically, but also it could be perceived, if you didn't know anything about the situation, for just like a general song about mourning and loss and love and moving on. And that's that's a good thing to have in your art is enough ambiguity that someone else can identify with it. Totally. If you make anything too specific, then it's like, oh, I can't identify to this. Like, this is just about somebody else. Like, I don't care. Yeah. So a lot of the songs on this album that get into that more, like, tender, emotional place are about, like, relation, like, romantic relationships and breaking up and yada, yada, yada. But this one is entirely not about that. Like, this is kind of one of the ones where there's, like, a very clear path to why this song was written. I think it really shows that this is their third album, Mm. like, officially released album, because, like, there's a lot... This album has, like, a level of maturity to it and to, I guess, to its themes and its, like, self-awareness, that, like, it's not just all about breakups or all about partying or anything like that. Like there's a wide breadth of like human experience that this album covers. Yeah. Which is cool. It is. Yeah. And then we get into that third piece of Zach's favorite trifecta, which is if you don't, don't. If you don't, don't, why would you die? That song goes hard too. Yeah. We are on the, the, not the downhill trajectory, but it's like this, this album really comes out swinging and like, it's got good stuff front to back, but the super high energy stuff is out of the way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The album really starts to calm down um, and start to feel very sentimental and just like, I'm healing from all my past trauma. And then I believe we get into Get It Faster, which is a song about cheating. <gasps> cheating gets it faster. Mm. Like on tests? Like on tests. Like on- you know how when you cheat on a test, you oh. get your results back faster? Yeah. That's... <laughs> <laughs> Like when you cheat at a, what's the one where you throw the ball? Bocce ball? No, you throw the ball and it goes up and you got to hit the, you got to get it in the. Oh, ski ball. Ski ball, but you just, your cousin's really tall, so he just pits his arm up and pits them all into 100. (laughs) (laughs) That's probably what the song's about, is about your tall cousin cheating on ski ball. You know what they say, cheating gets its ski ball. (laughs) I will say, um, as we're kind of winding down through this album, I think, uh, we talked about a musical parallel earlier. I absolutely need to bring up a musical parallel that I found. So track number nine is called Cautioners. And listening to this album, there the, the song goes yada, 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 yada. But then there's this very like... I love that part. Yeah. yeah. This very like kind of trancey part at the end. Let me just play a little bit. So I'm going to play a little bit from this. And then I'm just going to introduce and go into another song. And I just want to get your reactions for that. So I want you to listen to this bit from the song Weightless by the band Washed Out. Oh, I thought you were going to say All Time Low. (laughs) It's called Weightless by the band Washed Out off their album Paracosm. I like that song a lot. I'm going to add it to my favorites right now. Unfucking canny. Is it the same synth noise? Cameron would know. Cameron knows the answer to these things. I don't think so. I think it's just the same key, though. I like in Cautioners, there's that, it like starts out with that cool bass line. I was like, butt out, butt out, butt out, butt out. It's well, like syncopated. Yeah. And, it's cool. and you can still hear that in that, like, and so Cautioners is a song that really takes its time and really gets into this whole ambient space, mm-hmm. right? And it does sound similar to that to that song. I agree. It made my brain's little alarm go off. And I like I'm sure it's just coincidental. I don't think that washed out is well, maybe they are. I don't I don't think there's a case to be made that I don't for think that. A case but to be I made. think definitely they could have drawn some inspiration from that. Yeah, totally. And they're just I mean, they're kind of jamming. They're just jamming. Yeah. In both instances. I mean, Paracosm is just an album where they're jamming. For yeah, and like it has its own sort of sonic sensibilities and the, the big fat kick drums and stuff like that, whereas 
this is an album where there's a lot of cool like guitar pedal things happening and cool production stuff with preverbs and these cool like guitar like shimmery guitar pedal effects and stuff like mm-hmm. that. It's really cool and like Cautioners is another example of just like that cool washed out sound. They're exploring a lot of different sounds on this album. Yeah, I think that's what made me think of it was it was absolutely kind of diverging away from the typical just like straightforward like guitar sound and started to get like spacier into more of a trance with I'm sure all those effects yeah and starting to kind of blur that line between like hardcore pop punk rock music and something a bit more and I don't mean this in a derogatory way like manufactured to have songs on your album that like would influence fallout boy and to also have songs that would influence washed out like that's, that's such a, a pretty big yeah yeah that's such a wide range of and musical to say to remember yeah. Yeah. yeah to say that jimmy world had influence is almost an understatement totally i mean i think with that that concludes everything we want to talk about in terms of the songs on the album right yeah any we, closing thoughts well i think as is tradition oh yeah uh, we simply must give this album a reverse key did you have a bit my bit was talking about 9-11. <laughs> You're right. It was a segment. Now I believe it's time in the show to award a Rebruski to the artist of our choice. So, Jimmy Eat World, we have awarded you the Rebruski for not writing yourself off yet. Please come to the north or near north side of Chicago, Illinois, and collect your award. Yay. We would also take a retweet. Um, thank you so much, Cameron, for filling our special third host spot and this episode. Uh, we are Album Rebrews, and we're going to continue being Album Rebrews. We're very happy to be back for season two. We miss doing this a lot. If you want to find us on the internet, we are on Instagram and Twitter at Album Rebrews. Or if you want to find us on the website, it is www.albumrebrews.com. A big thanks to you guys. Uh, our stats are still clicking in there, so folks are still listening. If you're enjoying the show, go tell someone about it or your mom because you haven't called her in a while. She's a nice lady. She gave birth to you. Um, we also are introducing this third co-host guest spot, so if you yourself or anyone you know might be interested, feel free to shoot us a DM uh, and or snail mail or an email, albumaroos at gmail, and uh, yeah, get in touch with us. Totally. I can say that the guest spot is fun. These two don't stink too much to be near. Uh, They have both applied deodorant today, and I got to say, they're smelling great. Hell yeah. That's what I go for. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you in a little bit. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Cameron, say bye. Bye. Oh, yeah.